What's up, TMZ? How'd you find me, bro? I got my disguise on. What's up, man? TMZ Sports. Welcome to TMZ Sports. I'm Mike Babcock with my man, as always, Mojo Mutati. Mojo, we're going to start with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg because there are massive, major developments in the fight between the two billionaires. You know, Mojo, yesterday on the show, we talked about Dana White, how he'd gone on Mike Tyson's podcast and had for the first time publicly talked about the fact that he was actually in conversations with these powerful people in Italy about actually hosting the fight at the Roman Coliseum. And Mojo, a day later, again, major developments because Elon Musk says, hey, Dana White, you are not involved in this fight anymore. So Mojo Musk goes to uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter X. And here's what he said. The fight will be managed by my and Zuck's foundations, not UFC. Livestream will be on this platform and meta. Everything in camera frame will be ancient Rome. So nothing modern at all. I spoke to the prime minister of Italy and minister of culture. They have agreed on an epic location. Now, we also went on to talk about does need surgery after all, but he said it should just be a few months recovery. So, Mojo, that's what Elon said. And he just in one tweet completely blows Dana White out of the equation. Well, Mark Zuckerberg has responded, not on X, but on his platform, Threads. And here is his response. Not holding my breath for Elon, but I'll share details on my next fight when I'm ready. When I compete, I want to do it in a way that puts a spotlight on the elite athletes at the top of the game. You do that by working with professional organizations like the UFC or ONE to pull this off well and create a great card. I love this sport and I've been ready to fight since the day Elon challenged me. If he ever agrees on an actual date, you'll hear it from me. Until then, please assume anything he says has not been agreed on. So there you are, Mojo, and that's where we currently find ourselves. Man, there are still so many variables that we got to work out with this one. Yeah. I think the only thing these two can agree on is that they don't like each other and they want to fight. As right. far as where, when, why, how, who, this will all go <laughs> down with, we got absolutely nothing. The Dana White subject is completely interesting and fascinating to me. And to be honest with you, I'm a little split on whether or not they actually need Dana because mm. on the one hand, you're talking about two of the richest, most powerful people on the planet that can buy just about anything. So you don't need infrastructure. <laughs> you don't need a promotion. You pay the premium and you make it whatever you want it to be and you make this event its own event because with these two juggernauts fighting you don't need an undercard and you don't need the power of a promotion to sell the tickets this thing will sell anywhere it doesn't care it doesn't matter if this is in someone's backyard or not like people will show up for this any place on the planet but that being said when you have the opportunity of a lifetime like this we may never see an MMA fight of this magnitude again on earth, you might want to add in the world's best and most successful promoter to help take the reins and deliver the best product 
in the end. Let's not forget that these guys are very busy. They are running X, they're running Facebook, Tesla, all these other organizations, and they have a lot going on. I don't know if they need to be stressing about finding out how to put on this venue when they're already trying to learn how to fight for the first time anyways. So Dana White could add particular value here. In the end, I guess they don't need him, but they should definitely consider his services. I I agree, Mojo. A piece of me feels bad for Dana because he has literally been involved in this. He was the middleman between Zuckerberg and Musk this entire time, from literally the night before we all began talking about this up until this morning when Dana White found out that he was no longer involved. And I agree with you, Mojo. They obviously have enough money they've got like you know 350 billion dollars or so between them so they can go out and they can hire anybody but at the end of the day whoever they hire to actually put on this fight chances are they're not going to be better than dana white because from my mind he's the best mma promoter in the world lots of developments we'll see what happens from here i think first things first elon musk needs to have that shoulder fixed before anything else happens obviously he's got to make sure he's healthy All right, Mojo, moving on to Giselle. Uh, We know Tom Brady has moved on after his divorce from uh, his uh, once wife. He is dating Irina Sheik. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mojo, uh, I feel pretty confident in saying that, yeah, Giselle Bunchen has moved on too. Because early this morning, Mojo, we know Giselle had been on vacation in Brazil. Well, she flew from uh, Brazil to Miami back in the States arrived at about 4.45 a.m. this morning. And what do you know it, Mojo, but the jiu-jitsu instructor, Joaquin Valente, is the one who picked her up in the very early morning hours on Friday morning. And you know what? I don't care whether or not they say they're dating. This had nothing to do with physical education or jiu-jitsu or any martial arts. No. If you get up that early to pick somebody up from the airport, you're never going to be able to convince me that you're not an item. So there it is. I'm not surprised that Giselle is not calling an Uber or a Lyft from the airport. I mean, that, (laughs) that would be extremely surprising if that happened. But I'm also not surprised one bit that it is Joaquim to pick her up. We've been on to them from the start. This hasn't been a surprise whatsoever. But if you needed something to reinforce this, I mean, picking someone up early in the morning for, for from the airport, that's, that's just boo responsibilities. You got to go pick up the boo. I mean, hey, if it's a buddy or something and it's in the afternoon rush hour, ah, maybe right. you send the car or call call them a uh, car service, but not at, at this time of day with, with this precious cargo. Again, this this is no surprise to anybody. This thing's been a situation for a long time, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah, man, Mojo, right. We saw them, and, and this was really in the weeks and in the, in the months after the divorce that they were in Costa Rica, but Giselle's people were swearing up and down that they were not dating, that this was simply uh, like homeschooling of the kids, that the children needed their gym class, essentially, and uh, Joaquin Valente was going to provide it. Well, seems like he was providing some other stuff, too, if you ask me. There is an absolutely massive fight going down next weekend in Boston, UFC 292. The card was built around this man right here, the UFC bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, taking on 
Man, Aljo, I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. You and Sean O'Malley finally about to fight, man. Looking strong. How are you feeling, brother, as we are now like a week and a few days away from maybe the biggest fight of your career? I'm feeling good. I'm really excited about the opportunity. Um, the eyeballs that are going to be on this card. How stacked this card is. The anticipation for this card. Um, Boston hasn't had a pay-per-view in a very, very long time. And it's uh it's cool to be going to Dana White's backyard and uh bringing in a good show. So, you know, we're the headliners. We get to end the night, try to end the night on a on a high note. And um it's an opportunity for me to really make more history, get another bag, and uh rob the bank. So I'm looking forward to robbing the bank against Sean O'Malley and uh showing Mr. High Fructose Corn Syrup, why there's levels to this game. Does this feel like the biggest fight of your career to you, Aljo? Just because of uh, not only a title fight, but against a guy who is really popular and who has kind of been a rival of yours for a while now? Uh, biggest fight? I'm going to say the biggest fight had to be Sayudo in the sense of accomplishments, but in the sense of eyeballs. You know, a lot of people care about this guy, Sean. I, mostly these Fortnite players. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to end their game really early. So <laughs> I look forward to that on August 19th. Uh, are you surprised or, or, or not surprised at all? You're a, a decently heavy favorite. I mean, it's 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 not like it's a pick em fight. I mean, you're 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 a pretty solid favorite, Aljamain. I, I don't look at the odds, man. The odds are the odds are dictated in the training room and We've been uh we've been putting a lot of a lot of work, a lot of time, left no stones unturned, and I think that's gonna make sure these odds are gonna be in my favor coming into the night on August nineteenth. Do you think it'll be a, an extra a sweet victory for you, Aljamain? And and do you think after the fight that whatever you know issues you guys might have had in the past that that'll all be settled inside those uh, twenty five minutes of fighting or less? That's usually what happens. We'll see. We'll see what type of emotions happen after the fight. We'll see how the fight plays out. We'll see if Sean tries to poke my eyes out the same way he did Pedro Munoz. Um, you know, as I get close, he might get a little frantic and start trying to, ah, get away from me. So we'll, we'll see what he does and we'll see how the fight plays out. I, you know, it's always respect afterwards, but in the beginning, it's, it's, uh, it is personal. You know, you're trying to take something from me and you're trying to do something to me that's, not the nicest, you know. So no. we're both we're both trying to separate each other from our consciousness. So it's it's going to be a tough matchup, um, a battle of wills. Obviously, Sean wants this really, really bad to to validate himself finally as a worthy person in this UFC bantamweight division. Um, let's be honest; like the the matchups he's had, there's only one guy that he's actually beaten by split decision that's still in the UFC, and that's Piotr Jan. Everybody else. They're no longer in the UFC company. I mean, you can look at my resume. Everyone's still here. I beat a lot of good quality guys. And uh, I think that's all got me to this point, made me battle tested. I think that's going to show on the night. Could this be, Aljamain, could this be your last fight at 135? Uh, or is this that that not just in, in the cards right now? I think so. I think I go out there, I dominate O'Malley the way I think I'm going to dominate him. Send that naked mole rat back to wherever he's from, That the hole he crawled out of. Uh, we set our sights on Volkanovski, go up there to 145, cause some terror there, win the belt, become champ champ. And then from there, possibly defend the belt one or two times. And then maybe that's uh, all she wrote for her 
the MMA career. That would be a hell of a way to cap uh, an amazing career that you've had. It'd be, it'd be cool. Maybe I start boxing after. <laughs> yeah, if I hear they're making good money doing that. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might see me over there with Francis. I don't know. <laughs> Before I let you go, Aljo, anything you'd want to say to Sean O'Malley as we're now eight days away from UFC 292? I'm just saying the booger show is over. After August 19th, you can do all the booger sugar you want. No one's going to give a about you. And that's what it's about. I'm, I'm sorry. There's levels to this. And there's a reason why I'm the champ. And there's a reason why you're fighting for the belt. And there's a reason why a lot of people don't think that you deserve to fight for the belt. So you should be thanking me. And when I'm done, you can kiss my shoes after I boot your ass and drag you up and down that octagon. So I'll see you on August 19th. I can't wait to just end this sugar show hype train. There it is, UFC 292, Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley. Aljo, thank you, brother. I always appreciate you. Cheers. Coming up next in TMZ Sports, Floyd Mayweather doing something absolutely incredible for 68 families affected by those terrible Maui wildfires. Not only is Floyd flying them to safety, but also providing shelter, food, and clothing for over 100 people, we'll explain next on TMZ Sports. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Welcome back to TMZ Sports, Mike and Mojo. Mojo, uh, obviously, uh, I think uh, the, the country, the world, has seen the devastation in Maui, the wildfires just absolutely devastating the uh uh, the Maui area uh, officials, the uh, the latest death count was at least 53 people who have tragically lost their lives. There have been thousands of structures burnt down, Mojo. And uh, in times like this, obviously, the, uh, the, the country and people as a whole come together. And we've seen ordinary people help. We've seen celebrities help. And um, Floyd Mayweather stepping up in a really big way to help a lot of people, hundreds of people, really, who were impacted by the devastation. So Floyd Mayweather, who was uh, actually in Hawaii, and uh, as all of this is happening, it's happening right in front of him, and he wanted to help Mojo. So Floyd Mayweather has really gone uh, above and beyond for these families. So he is helping 68 families um, who, again, were impacted by the fire. So he has uh, not only paid for these families, to fly from Maui Mojo to a safe area in Honolulu. But once they got to Honolulu, and in many cases with just the clothing on their backs, he has 
arranged for shelter uh, via uh, hotel rooms for a couple of weeks for for these 68 families. He has uh, he has uh, worked with local restaurants to get them food so they can eat. And he has also struck a deal with H&M, the, the, obviously the clothing giant, to make sure that the men, women and children have clothing while they are away from home. So I know uh, Floyd Mayweather is a polarizing guy, but in this instance here, I, I don't know if there's anything negative you can say about this. And uh, the opposite, in fact, that this is just an incredible, incredible gesture on Floyd Mayweather's behalf. Absolutely, Babcock. I mean, this isn't something that he had to do that was expected of him. But when you're Floyd Mayweather and you, you have that much money, man, what a what a good position to be in to be able to enact positive change like this and really make a difference. I mean, obviously, everyone always wants to talk about Floyd's cars and his jewelry and how he spends his money. People are quick to forget that this isn't the first time he's done something uh, this just incredible. I mean, this is going to cost hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars and the fact that he's he's willing to do this just right away the second he heard about it he's not publicizing it he's not blasting it on his social media yeah. he's not responding to requests for interviews to talk about this like so many people are yeah. i feel like these days every time someone does something good or wholesome they're so quick to put it on their social medias and sometimes spend more money promoting the fact and how much they spend on the deed itself but you know, not Floyd in this instance, uh, in, incredibly, incredibly uh, just positive and heartfelt thing that he's doing here. You love to see it. 68 families. Uh, my goodness, that's a lot of people that he's helping. And again, good to be Floyd. Steve Cohen, of course, the New York Mets owner. He is the richest owner in all of baseball. Forbes says he's worth $16.5 billion. And we know Mr. Cohen, and that is his beautiful wife, Alex, next to him there. We know the Cohen family, uh, they're not shy when it comes to spending money. They have a 300 and, or over a $353 million payroll this year, Lucas. And uh, by the way, Cohen family also have expensive taste in jewelry isn't that right, Lucas? Right, but this is a move that actually didn't cost the Cohen family a dime. So <laughs> let me break this down for you. So there's By a guy. the way, Lucas, that's what happens when you're rich. You get everything for free. It's the, it's yeah. the, uh, yeah, it's how things work. Now that I'm rich, I get free coffee. Yeah, there's a song about it. But yeah, so there's a guy named Will Selby who was actually delivering a chain to NBA superstar, one of the best players in the league, Cavs guard Donovan Mitchell. And he was going through the owner suite area and he actually ran into Alex Cohen, who was like, hey, what's going on? You know, they, they interacted for a bit. They talked about why he was there. And as it turns out, the final result was this amazing chain, which wow. is worth about $65,000. It's got 14 karat white gold, 160 grams total of gold wow. and 30 carats of diamonds and it's got the the two Mets logos as you can see right there as well as the interlocking NY so Alex is uh looking flashy in the owner's box now but for like no that. charge whatsoever I, I know right you've got 16.5 billion you could buy a whole lot of those necklaces but nope free of charge uh it, it's an absolutely amazing necklace look at it just the, the, the way the light shines off of it that's what happens when you've got 30 carats worth of diamonds and uh yeah not too bad to be a member of the Cohen family.
All right, Lucas, we are almost out of time. You're actually going to like this, though, Lucas, because uh, Jake Paul obviously coming off of that big unanimous decision boxing match. Lucas is a big Jake Paul fan, so I don't need to tell him. But uh, Jake Paul obviously trying to find his next opponent now. Might it be a uh, MMA fight against Nate Diaz, whom he just beat? Obviously, Jake has made that $10 million PFL offer. Could it be a boxing match, Lucas, against somebody else? Maybe somebody like uh, Tommy Fury. That, that's what Jake is now trying to figure out. Well, there is somebody, there is someone, Lucas, who is uh, trying, and listen here, to throw her hat in the ring. Her hat, yes. Her? The, yeah, her, because arguably the baddest female boxer in the entire world, Clarissa Shields, Lucas. Uh, we just had a conversation with her. We're going to play the interview for you on Monday. But Clarissa Shields throwing her hat in the ring. Not only does she want to fight uh, Jake Lucas, but she says she, she doesn't think she's going to win. She is definitely going to beat Jake Paul if they ever fight. Is that something that you would watch, Lucas? Would you see your boy Jake Paul fight Clarissa Shields, who is the quote, as she calls herself? I would, but I would love to see KSI lose to Tommy Fury. Jake goes up against KSI, and then Jake gets that rematch with Tommy Fury, beats Tommy Fury, gets a trilogy fight, Jake wins. All is right with the world. Look, that right there, that shows you there's a lot of great fights for Jake out there, and it's just a matter of what what's the fight that's going to be made? Will it be Clarissa Shields? Will it be KSI, Tommy Fury, Nate Diaz? Lots and lots of possible opponents. That's what next week's for. We'll get into all of this. We'll see you then.